Welcome to my neighborhood. <laughs> One of these Sundays I am going to come in and I'm going to put on the loafers and take off the suit jacket if I ever wear a suit jacket and put on the sweater. We'll do that someday. So anyway, quick reminder, we're in a time of prayer and fasting as a church and we have a, a Facebook page set, a, set apart for that with some devos on it and some encouragement. So stay in touch, fight the good fight. It's good to say no to us and say yes to the Lord. So, uh, a, a truck driver was sitting in a crowded roadside diner getting ready to eat his lunch. Uh, just as the waiter, waitress brought the uh, truck driver's meatloaf, mashed potatoes, gravy, and green beans to the table, uh, a motorcycle gang swaggered in the door. Most of them sat at the table right next to his table, but there wasn't enough room for them to sit down. So the, the gang members uh, left standing, turned to the truck driver and barked, move, we want that table. The truck driver said calmly, I haven't finished my meal. Uh, one of the gang took his dirty finger and wiped it through the mashed potatoes and gravy and put it in his mouth and said, huh, that's pretty good. Um, another gang member took the, dr the truck driver's cup of coffee and slowly poured it over the remaining food on his plate and snarled, you're finished now. The truck driver stood up, took his napkin, wiped his mouth, walked to the cashier, paid for his meal, and silently walked out the door. All the bikers started laughing, and one of them made a comment to the waitress, ain't much of a man, is he? The waitress simply replied, and he's not much of a truck driver either, he just backed over all of your motorcycles. <laughs> It can be hard not to retaliate when people do stuff to us, can it? It can be difficult. It's, it's easy to be good to people who are good to us, nice to people when they're nice to us. It doesn't take a lot of effort, but it's hard when someone does something bad or cutting to us to return kindness for harm. Um, the natural way to treat these people is to pay them back, hold a grudge, try to get even, but our privilege as followers of the Lord Jesus, is not to pay people back, but to bless our enemies. So who is our enemy? Uh, or who is your enemy? Uh, your ex? Somebody who hurts you? Maybe a politician you disagree with? There's plenty of those out there today, aren't there? Uh, maybe a terrorist who would hurt you if they could. Maybe a person at work or at school that made you look foolish in front of other people. You know, we all have enemies, don't we? Some we know and some we don't. In, in Jesus' day, when he walked on the earth, the Jewish people had some serious enemies. They had the Herods. The Herods were a group of ruthless dictators that killed thousands of Israelis over about three or four decades. Uh, in the Lord Jesus' day, it was Herod Antipas. This is a guy who cut off the head of John the Baptist and, and, and sent it to a girl on a platter. They also had the Romans. Now, the Romans uh, controlled them, occupied their country, and forced them to pay huge taxes. They insulted them by putting a Roman eagle over the, the gate of the temple. Uh, so when people went into the temple, they'd see this eagle saying, the Romans are in charge. One day before the Lord Jesus died, uh, they crucified 2,000 Jews outside the city on one day just to show who was in control. Um, and after Jesus died, hundreds of thousands were killed and the city was leveled. 
Now, in that context, the scribes and the religious leaders, the pastors, the, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees, debated this question, what does it mean to love your neighbor? And most of them decided that only Jews counted as neighbors. That was their decision. And they coined this phrase, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. That was a phrase coined by the religious leaders of the day. And that's the situation in which the Lord Jesus gave his most radical teaching about love. Now, we're in a, in a series we're calling Love Your Neighbor, and we're talking about different ways that we can practically love our, our neighborhood here and the people that are around us every day at work and at school and the places that we go. And we want to put love into action. We want to do practical things to love others. And I want us to wrestle with this teaching today. What did the Lord Jesus mean when he said, love your enemies? So we're going to stand in honor of God's word, and we're going to read this scripture. I want to invite someone to come up and read this for us today. We have an official podcast now, so we want this to be on for people. Nick, you want to come up and read this? You're standing. Yeah, you're fine, dude. <laughs> I'm glad there is somebody out there who does what I want them to do. So not yet. it needs to be recorded. Oh, okay. Thank you. It's before... Four slides. Just read each one. Okay. Yes, sir. What I say to you who fear, you hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the right cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. All right, you may be seated. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> These words of the Lord Jesus were pretty shocking when he said them. It's not what people were expecting. And it's hard for us too, isn't it? Especially if you have a picture of your enemy in your mind as you hear that. Did Jesus really mean this? Are we really supposed to love our enemies? You know, the first followers of the Lord Jesus believe he, he meant what he said. And they went on to love their enemies on a regular basis. Now, it doesn't mean that God's not going to judge people. You know, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. There's still going to be a judgment day. But it means that um, in the meantime, we who follow the Lord Jesus can afford to love our enemies. Now, I think as we represent the Lord Jesus to our neighbors, to our neighborhood, uh, this is essential that we do this. It's not an optional command for the super spiritual. It's, part of, it's meant to be part of our daily life. In fact, love is a marker of true followers of the Lord Jesus. It's a logical result of being forgiven by God and loved by Him that we can love other people. 
And if we don't love our enemies, how can we believe that God loved us when we were his enemies? How can we, how can we deal with that? You know, and here we are out here reflecting him to the world. If we don't love our enemies, how are we different from anybody else? You know, I, I wasn't going to talk about the C word that ends in virus a whole lot today. But, you know, people are looking for answers. They're looking for people who have some real hope and insight to give. And that's who we are. But we also have to love those who are not kind, uh, who mistreat us. It's got to extend beyond people that just love us. You know, by nature, we hang out with people that love us, have the same interests, they're like us. We hang out together, and that's natural. Jesus said that's not a big deal if you do that. You love your friends? Good for you. It's easy to love our friends. But do you love people that talk behind your back? Do you love people that cut you down? Do you love people that hinder you? And oppose you and try to hurt you. You know? If, if you, he didn't say if you feel like it, love your enemies. If you're feeling particularly holy and spiritual today, love your enemies. It's like if, if you want to be with Jesus and be a, a true disciple, then you've got to learn to love your enemies. You know, and I was thinking about this this week, and you know there's fuel to love our energies, to love our enemies. Uh, we can afford to do it. Because we don't love them out of a sense of duty. I don't want to do anything out of a sense of duty. We don't love them out of a sense of duty. or uh, We don't do it because we're afraid God's going to get us if we don't love our enemies. We love people out of a sense of well-being. Okay? We are secure and blessed, and we can afford to love. Now, think of a bank account. Now, if you want to make a major purchase, uh, hopefully... You're going to check your bank account and see what's in there before you buy whatever you want to buy. Uh, If you know the Lord Jesus, your account is full. You are blessed. Uh, If you're in relationship with God, you can love because you are loved and you're okay. We love people out of our sense of well-being and from what God's done for us. Uh, The truth is we can afford it. Our bank account is full. So who is my enemy? You know? People who have done or would like to do real harm to us, is that our enemy? There's people who are out there. People who hate us, not everybody likes you. It's true. In fact, the more you follow Jesus and lovingly talk about him, sometimes the more enemies you accrue. People who are hurting or have hurt us, people who are taking advantage of us, Isn't that one of the hardest, taking advantage? Well, you might be here today and you might think, well, I don't have real enemies. Well, think of it like this. Uh, What about adversaries? What about people that maybe they're not out there trying to do you harm, but they're doing it anyway? Anyone who hinders what God has for you, tries to get that promotion ahead of us, you know, Anybody who's kind of, you feel like is holding you back, they're not seeing the greatness in you, the good things that God has put in you, they're overlooking you. Anything that blocks our connection and God's will for our life is is an adversary. I'm not talking about evil people, even believers, even followers of the Lord Jesus who can get a little competitive. That never happens at church. We never get competitive in our families, do we? It happens, doesn't it? These are adversaries. So how do we love them? How do we do it? 
Did he say, I want you to have warm feelings towards them? It's not what he said, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, don't want, I, want to have, I don't want you to love with sentiment. I want you to love in some specific ways. Um, the first one is this. We need to love our enemies with actions. He, Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. It's all about actions. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Love has got to be practical deeds of action in our neighborhood, in our families, at work, and at school. You know, if you see your enemy broke down on the side of the road, stop and help them. Get their car started. Give them a jump. If you see them in need, try to meet that need. If their house is on fire, put it out. <laughs> Even if your enemy tries to rob you, Jesus says you to take it one step further and give them additional items. Oh, would you like this too? <laughs> We're to move beyond simply tolerating our enemies to actually serving them. Deeds of love. It's not enough just to not retaliate. Hey, if you don't retaliate, hey, I'm proud of you. That's good. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He actually wants you to serve them. We need to love them with our actions. We need to love them with our words. He says, bless those who curse you. We're to speak words of blessing to them and about them. This is one of the hardest things for me. When someone just criticizes you and makes you look bad and just tears you up, to bless them in front of other people. What do you really think about so-and-so? There's your chance. Jesus says in that opportunity, I want you to bless them. We're to go beyond refusing to answer their insult with insult, uh, not just not say something negative, but not to retaliate. But Jesus says do more. Don't just keep quiet. Don't just stay at a distance. You know, I've heard people say, I can't even stand to be in the same room with that guy. She just makes me sick when she walks into a room. We don't say those things. We have an opposite spirit towards those. And we don't just avoid them. We love them. Jesus said something interesting. I, I need a little volunteer. Can someone come up? William, would you come up for me real quick? Because I know you've been waiting to do this for a long time. He says, if, if someone strikes you on the right cheek. Okay, are you right-handed? I thought you are. Now, this is my right cheek. How are you going to strike me? No, not with your left hand. With your, your right, yeah, okay. Okay, go, go ahead. Come on, you've been wanting to do this for a long time, buddy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just enough not to retaliate. You have to love your enemies. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was pretty sweet, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> What was, thank you, what was significant about that? That's, it's like, that's not words, that's actions. But really that, that backhanded slap was the biggest form of insult in the Jewish culture. That and spitting on somebody. I'm, I'm sure as Jesus went to the cross, people were spitting on him, they were slapping him, they were backhanding him. It was, it was an insult. Uh, our world is full of insults today. You know? Our... It's coming from all sides. <laughs> it gets to political things. I just, I just don't know how, always how to, how to say it, you know. There's just, there's just insults going everywhere. We are in a, in a season of, of insults going around. 
And we have to step out of that, and we have to love people with our words. Let me say it like this. If somebody posts something bad about you, you post something good about them. We love those. Uh, we're, this, this is my favorite. We're to love them with their prayers. Pray for those who mistreat you. It doesn't mean we pray they suffer a huge defeat. Get them, God. Get them, you know. You know you prayed that before. You know it. It doesn't mean you pray they get cancer or die in a car crash. It doesn't even mean you pray that God's going to straighten them out. Fix them, Lord. They're messed up. That's not, we, don't even, we don't even pray that. He says, pray that God will bless them and bring good things to them. He's saying our love has to be like his love. <laughs> We're meant to live a life in this world that's beyond human explanation, and this is how we do it, you know. And the only way that we can show the world that God is above is to do something above and to love them. So we pray for them. Now, I love, one thing I love about the Lord Jesus, he sets us up. Did you know that? He sets us up, you know. Uh, he, he came after you <laughs> and, and set you up to find him. It wasn't your idea. And God knows, he designed our hearts, and he knows that what you pray for is what you grow to love. If you want to love our neighborhood, pray for our neighborhood, and you will learn to love our neighborhood. If you want to love a, a country or a city or an area, you begin to pray for that area or that city or that country, and you'll fall in love with that country. You love your enemy, you pray for them, you're going you're gonna to fall in love with them. <laughs> you're going to love them. Our heart follows our prayers. God designed it that way. I heard a story about a guy named Thomas. Thomas, or this pastor is telling the story. Thomas lived in a one-room shack with his family. He loved the Lord and loved people, and his neighbor hated God and hated people that loved God, like Thomas. And the hatred grew stronger until the man across the street began sneaking over and setting fire to the roof of Thomas's shack. Uh, endangering his family. Three nights in a row, this guy snuck over, the story goes, and lit his roof on fire. And three nights, Thomas came out, and he put out the flames, and he never said a word to the neighbor, and that made the neighbor even madder. One night, the neighbor struck, snuck over and set fire to the roof of Thomas's house once again, and that night, a strong wind came up as Thomas rushed out to put out the fire, and the wind blew the sparks across the street onto the neighbor's roof, and caught his own house on fire. Um, Thomas went and put out his own fire, and then he rushed across the street and put out the fire of his neighbor. He was able to get it out, but in the process, he badly burned his hands and arms. Other neighbors saw what happened, and they contacted the police and the authorities, and they came, and they arrested the neighbor and took him to prison. Now, the speaker who wrote this said, uh, when he first met Thomas, he noticed his badly burnt hands, and he said, Thomas, what happened to your hands? And uh, Thomas told him. And the speaker said, it's, it's good this man is in prison because he can no longer hurt your family. Um, but Thomas said, that is true, but I am sorry for that man. He's a very gifted man, and now he must live together with all those bad people in that horrible place. Then let us pray for him, the speaker said. 
And falling to his knees, Thomas began to cry out to the Lord for this man. He said, I claim this neighbor of mine for you. Give him his freedom and in the future do a miracle that he and I can become a team that brings the gospel to our town. The speaker said, never before have I heard such a prayer. Two days later, this speaker, this pastor, went to a local prison to speak, and he spoke of God's love and of, of that group who listened was Thomas's neighbor. Uh, he said, when I asked who wanted to follow Jesus, that man was the first to raise his hand. After the meeting, I told him how Thomas loved him and how he had burned his hands trying to put out the fire, and how he prayed that they might be a team to spread the gospel. And the man wept big tears and said, yes, yes, that's what we'll do. The next day I told Thomas, and he said, look, God has done a big miracle. And Thomas says, we never can expect too much from him, his face beaming with joy. That's what it means to love our neighbor. Now, I don't know about you, some sermons I preach, and I can say, yeah, I kind of have this down. And other things I preach, it's kind of like, I'm not sure I should be preaching this sometimes, you know. And, you know, I, I know, probably like you, this is hard. I struggle sometimes. Especially you hurt my kids or my family. You better look out. It just, it just comes up in us. And, and we can all get full of dark emotions and feelings towards people. You ever had that? You ever just hated someone so much? It just takes you to a dark place really fast. And I don't want to have these dark emotions of hatred and jealousy, of, you know, hatred and revenge and getting people back. It's not where I want to live. You know, Jesus said you can't, you know, out of a fountain, you can't have bitter water and sweet water. I, just, I want to have that sweetness of the Lord in my life. So, so what can we do to get there? And like so many things in the Bible, As you connect with the Lord Jesus and you love him and you worship him and you get in his presence like we did today, let me tell you this, a lot of that just starts to happen in you. God rubs off on you. His love for people begins to permeate your life and your soul. As you you love him and follow him, he pours his love into you to help you love him back and to love other people. God's doing a lot of the work for you as you just get close to him. But here's some things that we can do. Number one, start with examining ourselves. Look at ourselves. Psalms 139, David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, when, when there have been times where people have taken advantage of me or, or hurt me, I've said to the Lord, well, Lord, you, you bless them and take care of them, you know, and, but the day is going to come when they're going to stand before you, and then they're going to get it. <laughs> then they're going to get it. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know? But then I thought, wait a minute. You know, I've done some things to hurt people. I've said some things that weren't good. I've stepped over people and on people on my way to success, climbing the ladder sometimes, honestly. I've been cruel to people. I guess that means my day is coming too. It changed the way I prayed and thought about my enemies. It's like, Lord, you know, 
just let that day just, you know, just, we're okay, we're good, you know. Because I know if they get theirs, I'm getting mine. Because, man, I have done maybe as much or more to hurt people. Things I regret, things I wish, I would say, if you had a do-over button, what would you go and redo in your life? Wouldn't that be awesome? One do, everybody gets one do-over. I know some things I would redo. But we've hurt people. <laughs> but we need to look at ourselves first. We need to look at our faults. We need to look at our rough edges. Um, if you want to, ask the Lord, God, where am I not so great at hurting other people? If you have a spouse or good friends, hey, I really want to know. <laughs> how, do, how do you see me doing in the way I treat people and relate to them? I want you to tell me the truth. Examine yourself. Get some, get some help. Number two, and this is a Mike Bickle teaching from IHOP. That is love, and I've not really heard it anywhere else. Move in the opposite spirit of those who oppose us. Move in the opposite spirit. Someone comes to you, oh, this is good for driving. You know, just driving and they're just, and, and what happens? Man, we match, we match it, don't we? Oh, I'm going to get you, you know. Remember Al Coster used to go to church here, 95 years old. Al says he's driving down the road, down Mays, and some guy cut him off and then took off. And Al, 95-year-old Al said, Oh, and, he, and, he, and he took off after them in his white station wagon. Pretty soon, here's this car and Al Costa driving, you know, 60 miles an hour down Mays. And Al says, then it hit me. What am I going to do to him if I catch him? <laughs> I said, Al, that, that's a good thought, Al, you know. But we match the, the destructive intensity of the people that are hurting us. And, and we need to move in an opposite spirit, Jesus says. They come at you, ugh. You come to them with love. They come with harm. You come with blessing. They come with angry words and criticism. You come and you bless them. You come with the opposite spirit. And you know, sneaky things happens. As you do this, you got the great opportunity for some conversations with the Lord. You got something to talk about. <laughs> and you get to dialogue with him. And he talks back about these things. And, and we rise above this, this dark darkness we get into sometimes and love them. That's the second thing. Number three, and this is a whole sermon right here, really, but choose forgiveness. Choose to forgive. There's all been things that have happened to us. Some of us have been strongly abused, neglected, hurt, bullied, you know, some of us have, have had some serious opposition and enemies in our life. Some of us, you know, not as much. We've all had some. But the key is to forgive like God forgave us. You know, a sign that we get it that when we were his enemies, he died for us. And when that sinks in, it makes it easier to love other people. Corey Ten Boom in her book, Tramp for the Lord, I've read a lot of her books. She says this, Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. The forgiveness of Jesus not only takes away our sins, it makes them as if they had never been. And when we forgive people, it makes room for love to grow. And, uh, and we find out that we were the ones in prison. 
We, put that, we try to put our enemies in prison and, like, oh, you know, you're going to pay. And really, we are the ones who are there. And the final, final one is this. Act in love even when you don't feel like it. In prayer, in words, and in deeds. And when we do that, little by little, the anger shrinks, love grows, and we start to love our enemies. And, and this is a good thing, too. You know there's rewards? What did Jesus say? Great will be your reward in heaven. Wouldn't that be a cool reward to get? Standing, however, however this is going to work, I don't know how it's going to work. We stand before the Lord Jesus, and he says, remember that time that guy did that thing to you, and you blessed him, and you forgave him? Boom, here, here's the reward. Isn't that going to be a moment where God blesses us with that? It's going to be awesome. I know we're going to get rewarded with the freedom in this life. We're going to get rewarded with a message, a life message of loving people. We're going to get closer to God. Um, I'm going to close with this, back to Corey Ten Boom, who I loved her stories. You know, during World War II, her family in, was in Holland. Her last, they were the Ten Booms. They began to hide Jews who were fleeing from the Nazis. And one day they were discovered, and the whole family went to prison camps in Germany. The two sisters, Corey and Betsy, were sent to a place called Ravensbrück, where they were beaten, starved, and otherwise mistreated. And one guard in particular seemed to go out of his way to be really cruel to them. Well, eventually, Betsy died there of starvation, but Corey survived and was miraculously released from jail. It was a mistake uh, on the books, and they, they let her out, and she survived. And all the other women were killed that were left. And after the war, she went on to speak and write about her experiences. Uh, in her book, it's called Tramp for the Lord. And she tells the story of what happened when she once again stood before her old enemy. She writes this, uh, It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to a defeated Germany with a message that God forgives. I gave them my favorite mental picture, she said. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And then I believe he puts up a sign there that says, no fishing allowed. And she told this story, and the people sat there in stunned silence. Well, when the meeting was over, people started to leave the room, and she says, that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One, one moment I saw the overcoat and a brown hat, and I remembered the blue uniform and the visored cap with the skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister Betsy's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. The place was Ravensbrook, and he was a guard, one of the cruelest. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I... who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, <laughs> fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? 
but I remembered him and a leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. He says, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but since that time I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me, Fräulein? And I stood there. <laughs> I, whose sins had been forgiven, and I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I have ever had to do. I had seen that those who had been able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an option, she wrote. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently to the Lord. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. God, you supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, and it raced down my arm. Um, hold on a second, I lost my place. There you go. <laughs> and it raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood through my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we gasped, grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then, she wrote. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried, but did not have the power. It was the Holy Spirit. As it says in Romans 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. We can do this. <laughs> we can love and forgive those who have hurt us. I know there have been some family members. I know there have been some supposed friends. There's been some employers. There's been some people that we were very close to and we've received some wounds because of what the Lord is doing in our hearts and his call on us. His call to us is simply to forgive. Now I know sometimes it takes days maybe a year of forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. But there's one thing I can tell you. God changes our hearts. He gives us the ability to love our enemies. He just says, your job is to forgive. I'll supply the love. I'll supply the feeling. And he works in our lives. I want to close with one more quote from Corey Ten Boom. When he tells you to love your enemies, he gives you the love that he demands from you. And that's our truth. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you, God, for all you're doing in our lives. 
I thank you, Lord, that you challenge us to be like you because you're working in our lives, making us like you. So it's just obvious that we're going to become like you and we're going to do the things that you do. Lord, give us, give us grace. Lord, give us love this morning. And I pray, Lord, that before we leave this morning, that we'll have the opportunity just to forgive people that have hurt us. Lord, to let them off the hook, to extend grace, <laughs> to speak blessing, and to ask you, Lord, to minister to them, and maybe even some actions to do. Lord, bless us this morning. Holy Spirit, come and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do a simple thing together. Some of you do this on a regular basis. You've learned that the art of this years ago. But let's just examine our hearts. Is there anybody you just need to forgive this morning? Might be something big. Might be something little. Uh, let's just take this moment just to see what God's saying and practically just forgive those people. And we'll do a prayer together here at the very end. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up. If you need prayer, <laughs> if you need someone just to, to, to talk to you about this, uh, we're going to have some people up front to pray with you. Let's all stand together and let's worship the Lord.